0: Well, Let me once more say good morning to all of you. It's good to be here this first Sunday of the new year together. The holiday time always seems to kind of be a hectic time where people are coming and going and it doesn't really feel like we have all of our family together. So on this day, it kind of feels like we're back together again. So it feels really good to be together here in this place this morning. As we get started, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, every day is a gift from you, and we acknowledge that, and we thank you for that. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. He's the reason why we're here today, and Father, we thank you for the love that motivated you sending him to die for us, Uh, the love that he also had for us so that he willingly went to the cross and died for us. Father, I thank you for the love that's present in this room, Father, the love for you and your son and your spirit, Father, the love that we have for each other. Father, I pray that as a result of what we do today, that love will be strengthened, our love for you, for your son, for your spirit, and for each other. And Father, I pray this through the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ, amen. So it is the first Sunday of 2014, um, and every year we select a theme for the year. Uh, how many people remember what last year's theme was? Few raised hands. It was what holy people serving a holy God. So that was the theme for 2013. So we pretty much like conquered and mastered holiness last year. So we're ready to leave that behind. And no, that's that's not the case at all. Um, Just because that was our theme doesn't mean that's something that we want to leave behind. We certainly want to continue to focus on being holy people, serving a holy God. But for 2014, we've selected a new theme. Um, The the theme that we have for the year is something that we try to use to kind of guide our our thoughts, guide our lessons, guide our uh, classes, uh, kind of give us a central focal point, if you will, for the congregation as we go forward during the year. So we'll continue to come back over and over again to the theme. Uh, One of the primary focuses of our 2020 vision that we adopted as a congregation a couple of years ago was discipleship. And there's a lot in that document, and we spend a lot of time talking about the importance of discipleship. The intent of this church and its eldership is stated this way in the 2020 plan. It says this, we want Christ to be central to all parts of our lives. So we are a whole person, the same person in all arenas. I think the key word in that statement is all. All. As disciples, our desire is for Jesus Christ to be Lord and Master of all parts of our lives. And our desire is that we reflect the nature of Jesus at all times in all places and in all circumstances so with that in mind we chose as our theme for 2014 this that all may know we are disciples of jesus christ let me repeat that again that all may know we are disciples of jesus christ there are a lot of scriptures that speak to discipleship but we have chosen to place a particular emphasis on John chapter 12, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus says this in that passage. Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know you are my disciples, if you love one another. There's that word, all again, that all may know we are Jesus' disciples. So our focus in this coming year will be to strive to become more Christ-like, to become more Christ-like by demonstrating the love of Christ at all times, in all places, and in all circumstances, because we want to make sure that there is never any doubt about who we are And there's never any doubt about whose we are. So I hope and pray that we'll all make a commitment, that we'll all make a New Year's resolution, if you will, to help each other, to help each other grow more like Christ in all aspects of our lives in this coming year. So join me in prayer as I ask God to help us do that in this coming year. Father, we do want to be more like Christ. And Father, we know that we can't do that on our own. And Father, we thank you for providing us with many ways to help us in that walk. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the examples and the lessons, the commands, the the words that are contained in that that help us in our walk to be more like Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for jesus himself father we thank you for sending him to this earth sending him as a man so that we have his example to follow so we can walk in his footsteps and father we thank you for your church thank you for the people that are contained within your church we thank you for the way that they strengthen us and encourage us correct us lift us up father give us exactly what we need And Father, I pray that in this coming year you'll give us an extra measure of all of those things so that we truly, individually and as a church, will grow to be more and more like your Son, Jesus Christ. And Father, that is our desire. And Father, we know that you will be faithful to our request. And we pray it in his name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. So in our remaining time, I want to kick off our first sermon series of the new year. And I've entitled it, Resolved to Follow. So this morning and over the next seven weeks, I'll be preaching sermons that focus on discipleship. We'll explore together what being a disciple of Jesus Christ really means. What being a disciple of Jesus really looks like. What implications committing ourselves to following Jesus Christ must have in the lives of each And every one of us, a focus on discipleship. And I want to say up front that I fully expect this series to be challenging for all of us. And I fully expect this series to be frequently uncomfortable for many of us. A clue as to why I think it will be challenging and uncomfortable for us lies in the title that I chose Resolved to Follow. Let me restate the title using some synonyms for resolved. We could say it this way. We are fixed on following. We are definitely following. We are earnestly following. We're firmly following. We're determined to follow. We're set on following. We are steadfastly following. We are unmovable and unshakable in our following. We'll be talking about being resolute followers of Jesus Christ. Resolute disciples of Jesus. Because I'm convinced that Jesus makes it very clear that there aren't any other kind of disciples. In Jesus' view, you're either a resolute follower or you're really not a follower at all. So what makes this study challenging And uncomfortable for me is this. And it may be something that makes it challenging and uncomfortable for you. It's that the word resolute has not always been an accurate description of my walk and my follow of Jesus Christ. And even more challenging and more uncomfortable for me is the fact that resolute is often not an accurate description of my walk with Jesus Christ in the present let me tell you a story. It's been probably 30 years ago. I was a graduate student at UNM University studying psychology. And I had a conversation with a friend and classmate of mine. She, somewhat out of the blue, made this statement to me. She said, Walter, you are a completely enigmatic person. A completely enigmatic person. Enigmatic, that's a Interesting word, right? That's a word that you use when you're in graduate school to make people think that you're really smart. But it's not a word that we use any other time. So let's kind of define what enigmatic means. Enigmatic refers to a person of mysterious, puzzling, or contradictory character. Mysterious, puzzling, and contradictory. Well, so I have to admit that my first reaction upon being called enigmatic was kind of felt good in a way because I, I really kind of clung to the first part of that definition the mysterious part right i mean who doesn't want to be known as being a, at least a little bit mysterious you know maybe she thought i was an international man of mystery or something like that that was well before austin powers i, I could have adopted it myself i guess um appear a little mysterious i I think maybe, I hoped my friend viewed me as somehow exotic, if you will, um, fascinating, enigmatic person. And I probably should have left it right there and left feeling good about being called enigmatic. But instead, I asked her a question. I said, In what way do you think I'm enigmatic? And she very innocently replied, Well, it seems like you have your church life, where you're one person, and you seem to have your family life, where you're yet a different person, and then you seem to have yet a different life here at school with us, where you're yet a third person. Ouch. Those words hurt, those words went straight to my heart, and those words are still working on me. 30 years later. Because I really believe that God put my atheist friend in my life, and God put those words in my atheist friend's mouth to make me take a long, hard look at my life. See, I had to take a look at my life through the eyes of other people, and what that look revealed wasn't pretty, and it wasn't pleasant. You see, I wasn't living a life that would make all people know that I was a disciple of Christ. I was living a life to blend in. I was putting on my Jesus mask among my church friends. I was putting on my family man mask among my family. And then I was putting on my intellectual, skeptical, man-of-the-world mask among my academic peers. And my friend... Saw right through all of those masks. And she was genuinely puzzled about the contradictions among the different masks that I wore. See, unlike me, my friend wasn't enigmatic. My friend was exactly who she appeared to be. She was the same unbelieving hedonist in every aspect of her life. And she was truly puzzled that there was no consistency in my life. Now, I may not have been a very resolute follower of Jesus Christ 30 years ago, but I knew my Bible, and I knew in my Bible that Jesus had a different word for an enigmatic follower of him, and that word was hypocrite. I was a hypocrite. I was a phony disciple. I was an imposter. I was a poser, if you will. And that conversation was a pivotal moment for me, because I had to decide if I was going to follow, really follow Jesus, or if I would continue to live my life as an enigma, as a contradiction, as a hypocrite. And that is when I decided to begin the oftentimes very difficult journey of being enigmatic no more. But instead, living a life where all, where everyone would know that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And that's really my key point for us this morning. And I think it's the beginning point for our series of sermons over the next weeks. I want us all to be able to acknowledge and affirm this. That Jesus calls for his disciples to be antonyms of enigmatic. To be the opposites of enigmatic, Rather than being people of mysterious, puzzling, or contradictory character, Jesus calls us to be people of obvious, clear, and consistent character. Jesus calls on us to follow him in all places, at all times, in all circumstances. So read with me again our text for this morning. Out of Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Luke nine twenty three through 26. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Well, there's so much in that passage to consider. And we will be considering it in the weeks to come. But for our purposes this morning, and our purposes in introducing the series, I want us to take away just three lessons. Three lessons for people who have a true desire To follow Jesus as his disciples. All three of these lessons speak very powerfully to the level of commitment that Jesus seeks. See, remember, to Jesus there is no such thing as enigmatic followers. There are only resolute followers. To borrow a popular phrase, following Jesus means entering into an exclusive relationship. So the first lesson we should take from this text is about timing. When does Jesus expect his followers to follow? Well, in our text, he says, you should follow me daily, which we should understand to mean always. Jesus's disciples will follow him always. Always. Jesus tells us that his disciples will deny themselves and carry their crosses whenever. Not whenever they choose, but whenever he calls and whenever he directs. Denying ourselves and following Jesus means giving over control of our time to Jesus. By choosing to follow him, we're also choosing to follow his time, his schedule, not our own And the second lesson I want us to take away has to do with place. Just where does Jesus expect us to follow him? In our text, he simply says, follow me. And we should understand that to mean that we're to go wherever he goes. And Jesus goes to some pretty uncomfortable places. And Jesus goes to some pretty surprising places. But Jesus calls on us as his followers to follow him wherever he goes. So Jesus tells us that his disciples will deny themselves. They will carry their crosses, and they will carry them wherever. Not wherever they choose, but wherever he leads. Denying ourselves and following Jesus means giving over control of our direction to Jesus. By choosing to follow him, we're also choosing to follow his lead. Disciples won't follow their own desires. They won't follow their whims. They won't follow their fancies. They won't follow their dreams. They won't even follow their heroes. Instead, they will choose to follow their Lord and Master, Jesus Christ. And finally, I want us to take away a lesson about situations. Situations. In what circumstances does God expect us to follow Him? In our text, Jesus says we're to follow Him in good times And in bad times, when things are good and when things are difficult, we're to follow him in situations where people approve of what we're doing and we're to follow him in situations where people disapprove, where they might ridicule us for being followers of Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus' disciples will deny themselves, they will pick up and carry their crosses, whatever the circumstances not just in comfortable situations, but in all situations. Denying ourselves and following Jesus means giving over control of our circumstances to him. By choosing to follow Jesus, we're choosing to give up our comfort zones. Choosing the life of a disciple is choosing to give Jesus control over whenever, wherever, and whatever. This is a commitment I hadn't made 30 years ago. And it's a commitment that I struggle every day to make today. But by the grace of God, by the guidance of His Holy Spirit, by the selfless love of Jesus Christ, and with the love and support of you, my brothers and sisters, I am resolved today. I am resolute today because I am determined to follow Jesus whenever, wherever, and whatever. Normally, this is a time in a sermon where the preacher starts building up to the big finale. Asking for a commitment. Won't you follow me in my commitment to Jesus Christ? But I'm not going to do that this morning. Instead, I'm going to ask you to make a different commitment with me today. Will you commit to answering three questions, three questions with me over the next seven weeks? And before you say yes, I'll do it, listen to the questions and make sure you're willing to commit to answering these three questions over the next seven weeks. The first question is this, what does it mean to be a disciple Of Christ. We've just barely scratched the surface today of what Jesus' call to discipleship means for the lives of the ones called. There's much more to it, and we'll be exploring that in the weeks to come. So will you commit to taking an in-depth look with me at what it really means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? That's the first question. The second question I'm going to ask you to commit to answering with me over the next weeks is this. Am I truly a disciple of Christ? Am I truly a disciple of Christ? This is going to require some introspection. This is going to require a look deep inside at the contents of our hearts. It's also going to require reflection. It's going to require a good hard look in the mirror, a good hard look at our actions and our behaviors. So will you commit to looking inside and outside with me over the coming weeks to determine if our lives, if our lives match the lives that Jesus has called us to as his disciples? And finally, will you commit to answering this question? Am I prepared to follow Jesus whenever, wherever, and whatever? And those aren't easy questions to answer. In some ways, those are even difficult questions to ask. Am I prepared to follow Jesus whenever, wherever, and whatever, because that's a commitment that only resolute followers of Jesus Christ can make. See, we'll see in the weeks to come that many people who were very fond of Jesus answered that question, no, I'm not prepared to follow Jesus whenever, wherever, and whatever. But my hope, my desire, and my prayer is that all of us will be able to answer that question in the affirmative. And we'll be able to stand together and say, Yes, we are a people who are going to follow our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whenever, wherever, and whatever. So, seven weeks and three questions. I really hope and pray that you will commit today to joining me in that journey. Let's stand together and let's sing.